I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Who is the oldest goalkeeper to play in the Premier League? The number one podcast. Hello, one and all, and welcome to episode four of the number one podcast. We are your football podcast that's slightly obsessed with goalkeepers. We'll be discussing all the goalkeeping highlights and the lowlights from the weekend. I am Lloyd Griffith, and this is the silty voice of ex-goalkeeper, now journalist and pundit and voiceover fodder. It's David Priest. We're back. We are back. It's uh, week four. Who'd have thought we'd have made it this long? Um, well, I was hoping we'd last this long, to be honest with you. Okay, well, yeah, no, we, yeah. well, we've done well then. Um, you've been getting a lot of compliments about your voice, which is, if I'm honest, peed me off no end. Yeah, because you know why it surprised me that? Because it's um, for 20-odd years, I've I've tried desperately to get rid of it. It's not that I'm ashamed of me, me accent, but I just think when you go to certain places or you move around like I have, it's, it's a little difficult for some people to understand you. If I Because uh, I tend to talk very quickly and sort of um, mum- mumble a little bit. People have been enjoying the northeast tone that you've got. Well, this is it. This is what I've been told when, when I go to do these voiceover things. They say, well, you want to should lay it on a little bit thick because people want to... Do you do voiceovers, do you? Well, yeah, I've done a few in uh, the last few weeks. What for? I've really enjoyed it. Just for like um, for a couple of companies that do sort of like voicemail messages or automated messages. Oh, and, and wow. And do you know... And, uh, so you are available for voiceover work? Yeah, I mean, I can probably say, name one of the companies. It's called Raraya, Swedish company, and, uh, and they just said that they probably. I think they've just had the most successful um, campaign using my voice. What was it? Um, it was for a betting company called Black Type. Oh, well done. Who I, yeah, who, who I'm associated with. I have to say that. Seeing as though we're plugging our own voices, I was the voice of Supercon in the Barclays advert just before Christmas. Supercon? Yeah, it was like, Supercon, defender of the... Oh, I can't do this. It, that was me, yeah. <laughs> uh, gave me a very nice Christmas. Do you know what? I really for. enjoyed it. What, the voiceover stuff? Yeah, I loved it. It's Absolutely good, loved it? it. It's almost like... Um, I mean, I'll go into something that we that I was, I was doing on Saturday. It's a little bit different, but... I quite enjoyed it. It's like um, it's almost like well, it is acting, isn't it? Really, what you were doing was acting anyway. I was just being myself and just saying words. But yeah, but it is acting, and it's nice. You're in a booth, you can muck about, and you don't have to look beautiful, which is uh, well, it's good for me. But obviously, <laughs> obviously, you are, you know, stunning in voice and also in uh, in um, skin. Um, I didn't really know I was going with that one. Uh, later on, we'll be answering the question: Who is the oldest goalkeeper to play in the Premier League? 
you know the answer, don't you? I do know the answer, and do you know what? Go on. He was two years older than I am now when he when he last made his uh, his last Premier League appearance, and and I could not think of anything. I mean, not anything worse. Probably I would I'd love to still be able to play now, but I just couldn't do it. Forty one year old, I just could not do it. Well, you're giving them a clue as to how old he might be, and we'll discuss that later on. Again, huge thanks for all the continued amazing listens and reviews. Um, you've all been absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, as I said, we're, we're loving doing this podcast. It's great that there's a community out there that want to listen about goalkeepers. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll be revealing the winner of this week's glove story later on. You're in with a shout of winning that amazing goalkeeping glove book uh, by leaving a nice review on iTunes and other podcast platforms. And we'll explain all later. Uh, but the reviews that have been coming in are absolutely lovely. I know we've been bribing and saying, if you leave a nice review, we'll give you a book and stuff. And there have been some great ones, some really funny uh, reviews. But, um, yeah, the 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 the, the, the Feedback has been beautiful. Yeah, it's been pretty overwhelming, especially the um, you know the stuff that we get back via Twitter. It's yeah. a majority has been positive. I think I can't. I have not much abuse of you. No, God, no, not uh-huh. at all, Jimmy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of time for that. Oh, you know of course mean? there yeah. is. I mean, there'll be a week where we'll have a stinker, and you'll let us know about it. Uh, also, apologies to Taylor Monk. I've just figured out what Harry Monk is. Uh, that went over my head. <laughs> uh, not literally. Right, let's have a look at some of your tweets before we get on to the. Action. Um, so Jordan Jarrett Byron, Brian, Jordan Jarrett Brian. I mean, that's a that's a name, isn't it? Um, he said, interested to know your thoughts on the first Messi goal versus Courtois. Really poor for me, as it didn't even beat him at the post. It went through his legs from that angle. That's poor, right? Question mark. It is, and uh, I know Jordan as well. Um, oh, do you? Yeah, no, he's he's a worst channel for uh, news sports, and uh, he's got a football fans podcast. Oh, nice! I've been a couple of times. Great fella, great fella. Um, yeah, on the question, it, it, when you, we when we saw the uh, the two goals going, because was another goal that he scored from the the other side that went between Courtois' legs. Quite similar, weren't they? Yeah, and. The first one you think, oh, well, he's just sort of trying to catch uh, Courtois out. He's just trying to get the ball on target, keep it low. And as we know, anything low around your legs, around your feet, it's diff- so it can be difficult to, to save it and difficult to deal with. But when he, he hit that second one, he just and he didn't even look up at goal. He didn't look up at Courtois. It just made you think, well, has he targeted that area? Has he seen and, and looked at footage and... Of Barcelona, try to work out where's the best place to beat uh, to beat Courtois, and it's as it happens, it's been between his legs. Now, when we looked at the the footage after the game, you can see that not just in this game, but in, all, in most games, Courtois got low hand position. And you you went on to Twitter and said this, and as a result, I went and looked at previous Courtois stuff, and he does have this low hand position. Yeah, and and a lot of keepers adopt it now, but I always say about. Um, uh, you know, having a neutral hand position, you, you've got to put yourself in a body to save most things to right. give you the best chance of saving every possible shot. So I prefer to have a keep uh, for my keepers to have them in a more neutral position, sort of just in the middle, so it's it, it's easier to get your hands up. When to you say middle, so um, if you look in, so I think a point of reference, most people, you know, when Schmeichel did the starfish, I mean, yeah. your your hands are basically going out. You're going out um, almost in a you know in a in a, in a T-like position. Yeah, is uh, that neutral or is are they? No, no, no. Lower? I mean that's that's extreme. I mean in a, in a mid mid-range position, but they're extremely wide. Right. So 
if you're teaching young kids how to, to catch the ball, when Schmeichel used to do this sort of the, the, the starfish block and, and you put his hands out wide, that's not a, that's a mid-range position he is, but it's not neutral because his arms are spread wide apart. Now, when it comes to trying to catch the ball, especially when coaching young kids, I always look to 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 get them to imagine that they're wearing handcuffs to try, right. and, try and keep the hands together so it gives them a better chance of uh, of catching the ball. If your hands are too wide apart, when the ball's coming straight at you, it takes that a little bit longer just to get both hands together yeah. from either side. So if you try and keep them, keep them together as if you've got handcuffs on, then it, it, it makes it easier to catch the ball. Um, in, in this uh, instance, I always feel that Courtois got his hands far too low at a distance away that... That if if you're coaching somebody to go low with their hands, it's normally in a if you're in close proximity to players. So when you're coming to to out to block, like a, in a, a futsal style block, when you you know look at anything from sort of eight ten yards away, which uh, Messi was in these these both these instances, you're better off having your hands sort of more near your hips. And I know some people might refer to it as a, a gunslinger position. So it's um, it's. You know, you've got a better chance if, if you've got to raise your hands high or go low. You've still got a good chance. Now, from this position, I always say that if anything's going low, it's drilled low. You've got a better chance of going with your feet, right? Okay. Because by the time you get down to your, with your hands, it can, can be past you, not really past you. So you can be beat for pace. So always look in that position. If the ball's going to go low, just go with your feet. And your feet are already there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it, you know, I think it. We've always. In the British game, seeing it as maybe it's a bit lazy or technically incorrect when it's rubbish. It's you what know, to use your feet. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. So it's just it's more efficient and um, and, then, and easier to block the ball. But then this, especially this season, last season as well, there's someone like De Gea. I mean, he's using his feet more than any keeper I think I've seen for a long time. Yeah, and 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 sometimes when the when the the shot's low and it's just out of sort of the reach of your feet. And you go with your feet. It kind of it can look lazy, but it's about uh, percentages and trying to cover, cover all eventualities. That's it. If you've got your hands low, especially with it, if you look at the Dembele goal as well, he's, he's from a fair, he's a fair distance away from him. He's not in close to him. He's got his hands low, and as the ball goes past him, he still gets a touch on it. It goes over his right shoulder. He yeah. still gets his hands to it. But the fact is that because his hands so low, by the time he gets his hands up. It's impossible not to just move your isolate your your hands and just move only move your hands because you need to keep your body forward if you can. So what tends to happen if you've got your hands so low like that, when you start bringing your hands up as quick as he does to to save that ball, it moves your body backwards your as well. Body, so, so you so have to it, readjust it forward as well. Yeah, exactly. So it, so what happens is when when your hands come, your body goes back, and by the time you get your hands to the ball, even if you're getting something on the ball, you, you just push it. You just help them into the net. So it's so difficult to keep yourself forward if you if you've got your low uh, low hand position. So uh, I'm, I mean I'm miming here. I don't know why I'm miming. I mean it is for you. No, but at the same time, I'm, well. I'm, yeah. I'm listening and, yeah. I'm, and I'm and I'm getting it even though yes. I can't see you. So if you if you look at the, the like I said the Dembele goal and he does he still gets a, a, a hand on the ball. He still gets a touch on it. If you just think if his hands are just a little bit further uh, further uh, up raised up. He might get a better he touch on the ball himself. and he might be going backwards. He might still be a little bit further forwards and that might mean that the, the touch he gets takes it over the bar. He'd have looked at that and probably been a bit angry with himself, wouldn't he? I think there'd have been a lot of criticism on his part. Yeah, it, 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 I was going to say he'll hold his hands up, but he probably wish he did that during <laughs> the game. And that is why we're doing the podcast. 
right, let's have a look at what's happened in your favourite feature, my favourite feature, and a feature that David also loves. It is Between the Sticks. First game, AFC Bournemouth 2, West Brom 1. Now, first uh, first thing I want to point out, Jordan Ibe's goal. It was a long way out, in my opinion, and that's the opinion of a 17.5 stone man who wishes he was a Premier League goalkeeper. I think that Foster should have been getting that. He had, he had time... He had time to react, and uh, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Yeah, it's it doesn't look great at all when when something like this happens. Uh, you know, the, the first time you th- you see it, you automatically just think, "Oh, he should be saving that." Right. But looking at it again, you know, obviously Jordan Ibe, he's on the left hand side, cuts in on his right, and as he hits the ball, he cuts across it as he hits it. So it, as he strikes the ball, he cuts across it with his right foot, and it kind of sends the ball going. In at first, so it's coming into Ben Foster and then going away. Right now, the trouble you've got here is because it's going across you like that, and the angle that he's that Ibe's coming at, you've got to try and get yourself forward, especially when the ball's bouncing in front of you like that. You've got to go and try and meet that ball because it's almost. I know I keep making these cricket references, but it's the to me they're very apt. If you don't get forward towards the ball and the ball's bouncing well in front of you. It's almost like in cricket when the, the ball's being pitched up on off the seam, on the seam. Sorry, anything can happen as the ball comes off there. So you give the the the, the ball an extra chance, an extra two or three yards to do some movement away from you. Yeah, and it's diff- so difficult for you to readjust again after you've committed to the dive. So last week, Joe Hart had a bit of a clanger, that long-range shot that he... If he'd have got to that just that little bit earlier, is that the same kind of thing? Yeah. You're closing it down, you're giving it less opportunity to surprise you and hit another part of your body. Yeah, that's a little bit different because it was more straight at him, but it's it's still the same sort of um, theory. You know, where you, if you go towards the ball to collect it, it, it doesn't give a chance to move uh, move like a, like, I said, like a cricket ball. In this one, it's, it's so difficult because... Because he doesn't get uh, forwards towards the ball, he doesn't get anywhere near it. He doesn't even get a touch. But if he does get a touch, it's more likely to go around the post. But this one, because it, it travels a long way and it's going away from him, and, and there's the bounce in front, he ends up going with the bounce of the, uh, the ball and ends up diving backwards. Okay. So it's it. It is a very difficult one to deal with. But at the same time, if you're technically correct and you go forward to, to, ball, to meet the ball, you've got a much more a much better chance of saving it. So if this was Sesame Street. Not a letter or a number, but the phrase would be forward. Yeah. Well, always forward. I mean, we always go off as if it's a perfect world. In a perfect world, this is what we would do. And it's not always like that, you know, because of the movement on the ball and uh, the speed of the ball. You can't always get forward on it. Yeah. Sometimes you you end up diving backwards because the the pace has beaten you and you've just got to try and get something on the ball. But in this case, like I said, you know, it needs to step forward and step into the dive. But it, it is such a it's a horrible shot to deal with. Stan is last free kick. Now, he'd had a free kick just before the goal, which Foster managed to get hold of. His positioning seemed to be uh, right for the free kick. He has another free kick. His positioning was different and he lets it in. Talk us through that. And also, was the wall different? Well, this is the thing from from that position. It's it's an in-between position for me because it's it's not wide enough where you think he's only going to cross the ball here. Yeah. It's not central where you think he's definitely going to shoot. So it's a little bit in between, but you can like like you said, the indication was that he was going to shoot from the uh, from the free kick before. Now looking at directly from behind where Jordan Ives taking the taking the free kick, there's a great camera position. 
it's not always perfect to see where uh, Ben Foster's taking his position from, but it looks a little bit sort of left of centre right. um, as Foster's looking at the ball. So he's he's given himself a little bit more to do on the right-hand side. He's put three men in the wall. There's three men in the wall and one that looks to be guarding the inside of his left-hand uh, left post. Yeah. So, and so f- from that position, putting three in the wall, he's taken up the right position. But he's given himself a little bit too much to do on the right-hand side. From there, I would only ever have two in the wall. So it, it's... It's... It, it's still something like an obstacle for the for Ibe to to get round or over, but also what it does it may, it's gives Ben Foster a chance to step uh, take a further step in towards the centre of his goal to and, his right, and also gives him more sight, I presume. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I wasn't too sure whether he had a good sight of the ball because there was no um, there was no Bournemouth players sort of in between him yeah, and the yeah. ball as well, so it's not like they were getting in his eye line. But I just think in that instance, if there's two in the wall there. He can have a clear sight of the ball. He can uh, take a more central position at the goal, and that's that would have made a difference. He just that half a step because he still gets across and he gets a hand to it. Yeah. Just can't keep it out, so that would have made the difference. I want to talk about walls in the future, not the uh, the, the food company. Walls, as in whether we should have walls in the future. A lot of people have been tweeting us in saying the argument for having a wall and for having again, you know, ha- against having not to have a wall. Um, Next, go on. No, no, I'm just saying it is something that um, we probably need some research into because yeah. there's not a lot of teams who don't do it. And I, I know that's Barcelona with Testegen, anything from sort of ridiculous distance like 30, 35 yards, he doesn't tend to have a wall and yeah. give himself a good, clear sight of it. So it's, it is starting to creep in and, and people are starting to, to become more creative with the, the set pieces and how they defend it. Stoke City 1, Everton 2. It was the battle of the England goalkeepers. You were there. It looked like an absolutely beautiful game. It looked like it, there was like four seasons in one in in, in like in, in one 90-minute uh, game. Yeah, it, there was two seasons every 10 minutes <laughs> because it was either blizzard or it was sunshine. It was a really, really weird day and it was a terrible day for, for football, to be honest with you. And it was even terrible, uh, a worse day for uh, for presenting a TV uh, a package for a TV. So program. you were doing something. Can we mention what it was for? Or yeah, it was just for the uh, uh, BBC Premier League program on the uh, Premier League show on Thursday night. BBC Two, ten pm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and um, and do you know what? Uh, I've tweeted this earlier on, but I will never ever criticise anybody presenting on TV ever again. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, and that's for your benefit. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. But no, it's not as easy as it looks, is it, mate? You know what I mean? No, but it isn't, though. No, it's, it's totally different. It I mean, different, it's totally different from being a guest or being on the. I mean, I've uh, co-hosted radio shows. It's totally different when you. It's just you and the camera, and you're look, staring down the lens. And it's I, maybe it would have helped if it had been scripted more for me. But I, I, I did find it really difficult. Like, All you know. eyes are on you. I mean, there's no getting away from it. What? You're 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 there, and if there's no script, you have to know what you're doing. Straight away, and, and just uh, the, the tiniest sort of stutter, and then you, yeah, you've got to start again, and then yeah. it, get, you, it gets into your head. Imagine doing live TV for seventy-two minutes every Saturday morning. <laughs> I mean, we make it look easy, but it's, it's, it's hard. We don't make it look easy. Obviously, we make it look like we've, we've never rehearsed it, but it's 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 not easy, and it's a skill. But it's um, it's interesting, especially when you look at pundits as well after the show. 
they're not allowed to stumble. You mean you see? Oh no, exactly. Yeah, but show. I mean, I'd, I'd much prefer somebody if I'm sat there and somebody gives me a question and, and ask, answer them directly. You know, it's that's so much easier than if you're presenting a package or, like, say, yeah, it's something that's that's kind of scripted. You, you kind of know what you're talking about, but it was. It was horrendous conditions. Well, and also a lot. I think a lot of people were looking at this game, going, "Oh, this is the game that Gareth's going to be looking at. Is he going to take him? Is he going to take him?" I mean, neither Butland nor Pickford had great games because it wasn't a great game to be involved in. Do you know what I was? uh, I wasn't sat in my usual position when I go to these games, and we had a a decent height where you get a a good view of the game. I was sat two rows back from the front. Uh, snow blowing in my face. <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was horrendous. But it just showed you, like you know, depending on where you are in in, in the stadium, it, you just see a, a totally different game. And I've seen a lot of analysis of of both, and that's why I was there at the game. I wanted to see if uh, if they were going to go up against each other, sort of toe to toe, head to head, and uh, and try and get one up on each other. And it was, it wasn't the game to judge people on. And uh, and I know people have been quite critical of uh, of Jordan for for the goal that he conceded, and Jack as well for both. And and I find it it wasn't strange because I mean he's very honest, Jack Butler, and he came out after the uh, after the game and said, especially with the Torson's header, yeah. that he should have done better with it. And I'm thinking, well, it's a it's a really important time for 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 him now mentally. He's, they've got to be strong. He is in the battle. He's in the three-way battle for that number one jersey. And he shouldn't get in his own head. He shouldn't get any negativity in his own head. And I think it's it's so it's so difficult to do. I spoke this uh, on the programme. Goalkeeping, to me, wasn't about uh, me and the opposition, me and the striker. It was about the battle with my, mental battle with myself. Right. If if I was if I was 100% uh, and confident going into the games, and then it didn't matter who I was playing against, you know whether we got beat or not, or whether. so you were a one-man team. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you, you were basically. It was. It was. You're a one-man band. But you know that, what I mean, that, but you're battling against yourself. Yeah, that was the challenge. I think that's why goalkeeping suited me. Simply because when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time on my own, and while I was on my own, sitting my grandmother's or whatever, I used to whether it was running, jumping, throwing, whatever. I was always like sort of in competition with myself. So okay. I like I I raced around the green where uh, outside our house where she lived. So I'd time myself yeah. and then I'd run around again, try and beat that time. And, and like I said, whatever it was jumping or try to jump as, as far as I could. So that, that was, that's how goalkeeping is for me. It was always every day trying to do something a bit better uh, and try and be a bit better and improve the game. I think we do that more, more than outfield players, yeah. certainly. But maybe it's because we've got the, we've more time to, to focus individually on our game. But um, like I said, I, I was surprised that he's been, Jack's been honest about the, his um, about about his performance and maybe he thinks he should have done better. But I think you, you've got to sort of um, I don't know. You see other keepers just wouldn't like, yeah like some like Schmeichel or, or Jens Lehmann or Oliver Kahn. You, you maybe wouldn't see them come out and say that because the it's sort of maybe it's a I don't know if it's a sign of weakness or but it's like or showing your hand too yeah. soon like you know it's whatever it is. I just think well. It wasn't a glaring mistake. No, I know, you, I know he expects he expects more of himself, but at the time, watching it in in real time, all three goals, I think I could think, I just thought to myself, it's not a great deal they could have done about it. And then when I watch it later on at night and it's being analysed on TV on much of the day, and thinking, well, yeah, there's it's really fine details in goalkeeping that you just don't people don't see with with your naked eye at games, and it, it does take 
looking at things three or four times yeah. to, to to look at position, look at uh, the decisions that they made, and it, 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 and like I said, it's not the game to judge them on because the the one they didn't have a lot to do. They didn't. It was only when they were called upon. Yeah, and and I was really surprised at this, and it was it was probably because um, I I also thought, I thought it was over simplifying things when I was talking about the game. Because because of the conditions, it was windy. There was lots of snow on the pitch. Anything that come towards you as a goalkeeper that day was going to be difficult to deal yeah. with. And it took until the second half for both sides to think, well, "Why don't we put the ball in the box? Why yeah. don't we? Why don't we take shots from distance?" And as soon as he started doing that, it's an extra man as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and as soon as he started doing that, Michael Killing came out from defence and he hit a, a shot from thirty yards of Jack Butland, which ordinarily would he would have just gobbled up, no problem. He'd handled it and then uh, he caught it. But because of the wind, because it was swerving, he chose to push it away and he pushed it out for a corner and it it, it didn't look great, but it was the right decision to do. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was very safe, but he but he he knew that that's what he needed to do. But as a, as a spectator, you're probably thinking, "Well, why has he done that?" And he's kind of going, "That is the best thing for me to do in that situation." It's safe. It's safety in those situations, and and um, I like that safety in this in that in those situations. It's like a little goalkeeping catchphrase. Yeah, we, we do a little. Uh, that's the next thing. That's when we, the boot <laughs> comes out. The number one podcast boot. But uh, in games like that, I always think put yourself in the uh, the the opposition teams whoever you're playing for put yourself in their position and think what does the goalkeeper not want to do what does he not want to deal with in this situation and in this game it was just anything from distance any shot putting crosses in the box and you're seeing that like I said as soon as you start doing that that's when you start causing trouble if you're Gareth Southgate which you're not and uh, they've just all met up today haven't they for their uh, international uh, their week who are you picking you got three keepers who can I have please David please I'd say Jordan Pickford, um, number one. Yeah, I'd say Jordan Pickford, and and we'll go. Th- I'll quickly go through like the three goals. Um, the, the first one, um, it, it come through. It was a, a cross come shot coming. I think it was a header from Torson. Jack Butler just like try to get something on it. Mm. it. It doesn't look great, but because of condition, it skips up as well off the of the snow. He's got to get something on it, and the, the follow up, he's got no chance with that. Uh, so I, you know, I wouldn't. Putting thing at his doorstep there. The equaliser for for Stoke in swing and free kick by Joe Allen. It's put in a great area. I know a lot of people have criticised um, Pickford for his uh, his starting position was deep. Possibly could be a, a step or two forward. But in in those conditions, when the ball swung in like that and then it dies, it's the same with the the, the we'll go on, probably go on the Cash Smiter one. It, it when it dies, it's so hard to to judge. You're better off staying. In those conditions, right? Like I said, we talk about safety first. About um, about Jack pushing that one away. That's straight at him. S- be safe. Just uh, just stay where you are and just react to anything that comes to you. Be- yeah. be- because it, it, as it came in, it come at such a height that you're still risking somebody coming across you. And any touch is going to take. And also, a you're, anyway. you're walking and running. Do you know what I mean? You're not in that one position, so you you you're not in the best position when you do have to react. To yeah, it. And, and I know we're talking about elite goalkeepers here, and maybe we should expect a little bit more from them. Um, but like I said, it's it's not one of them. It's one of them where you say, well, possibly he could have done this, but is a mistake. Certainly not. And then the uh, the last one, uh, the header from Torson. Yeah, it's close to him. It's he gets a hand to he it. Hand. He got, got criticised, but a lot of people said he should have saved it. Yeah, and, and maybe he's at the very top. That's what you do. You expect them to make those saves. You know, we talked about Degay last week. You expect that uh, when they don't save, pull these miraculous saves off. 
you think, well, that's because they've, they've set such high standards. Yeah. And uh, but again, you know, you could say, should he have saved? Should he get a better handle? Possibly, is it a mistake? No. So you three that are going to Russia, you saying Pickford, you saying Butland. Who's that third place at the moment? We haven't covered all the games yet, but I'm putting you on the spot. Well, I mean, well, do we do? Uh, do we do this last week about um, about what he might do? Yeah, well, we discussed it in previous ones. Will he take Hart as the kind of like tourist with experience, or will he take Pope, who is in the team that is, you know the, he's the highest paced goalkeeper at the moment? At the risk of saying something I've said before, I think he'll take Hart, and but he'll take Pope as well, um, just okay. for experience outside of the squad. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, let's look at Liverpool-Watford. It was Liverpool 5, Watford 0. I mean, Carnezes, you've got to feel sorry for him. Um, he had a lot to save. He made a couple of decent saves. There was one from Ings. Uh, there was a decent save at 1-0. Uh, but then he also spilled a shot and uh, criticism for the fourth with his hands and stuff so I mean I, I thought that we should linger too long on this but he basically had his work out didn't he he did and Liverpool are just so incisive and I remember watch, uh, reading a piece a while ago it was, um, it was on a on a, it was on a subject called ver- verticality right and it was basically passing the ball forward really yeah, and, and it made me laugh because it was, it was kind of you know, coming up with all this terminology about basically that you know that's the the aim of the game. But it's it's because we I think we got for a little while we got caught up in possession based football, and some people make mistake of, of it being possession for possession's sake. So a lot of sideways and back passes, a lot of but, switching. Yeah. So now when Liverpool get the ball and they they, they play the ball forward, they're catching people out of position. They're, they're just so incisive. Every every pass seems to be a danger. I have to say, I know we're. we're Concentrating on um, what happens in the 18-yard box, but Liverpool looked deadly. Like it, it looked insane on their day. I mean, they any goalkeeper at the moment, if you're having to face Liverpool, and, and it's not every game. There will be games where you know, look at the, you know the United game. They didn't look that venomous, but 
against Watford, you know, if you are a goalkeeper and you've got to face Salah at the moment, some of those runs that he did, and he he walked in the 18-yard box. The first goal was, you know, you look at as a goalkeeper, you know, if you're, you know, if you're kind of as this, you look at your defence going, just take him down. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're you're looking for help and. It's but it's so difficult. I mean, he, he's the way he, uh, the way Salah's playing now. It's like all great players. It's all, it's almost like the slow down time. As quick as he is, as powerful as as strong as he is, the weight of pass that he he, he produces, um, it, it just he's it, done with a, a total calmness. Mm. And and it's like I said, it's it's like the slow down time, and they can do things that, that other people can't do at that speed. Um, you could pick apart Connors' game. I, I quite like him since he's come to the game. Uh, since he's come to the side, I watched his first game. I think it was against Leicester, where he did all right in that game, and uh, and I quite like him. Like he's obviously done enough to stay in the side. But it's uh, the second goal, Robertson's cross. Now it's it's so tempting to come for that ball there, and and is we talk about uh, what we've just talked about there about the, the Joalan cross. We'll talk about the the ball in the box by Kante for. for yeah, for Schmeichel's uh, error and uh, and Robertson's cross here. Sometimes you have to respect the ball. The ball is so good that you just think it's a gamble coming for it. Yeah. And uh, and if like any other gamble, you know, sometimes it's going to come off, sometimes it's not. But with Robertson's cross, it was it was an inch perfect cross. But at the same time, you've got to put yourself in a position where you've got to, you might be able to cut that ball out. And I'm not saying you should come and take it, but. As the ball goes wide, Cornetus has got that. He's got to have a quick scan. So as soon as the ball goes wide, he's got to have a quick scan, see what's in the box, see what the danger is. As soon as the ball comes in, he knows that Salah's coming at the ball. He knows that if he can leave it up with defenders, yes, but at the same time, he's got to be proactive. And I think it, it was that close to him that he could just take. It's not about taking the chance; just get something on the ball, try and tip it away, try and push it away. We've got to move on, but just quickly that that you know, if you are him and you've got to look, as you just said, as a goalkeeper, you've got to look who's crossing it, and then you've got to look what is in the box. But also, do you look at who is in the box? Do you look at if you know that it's a, a midfielder or someone you don't expect to give a as good a, a decent finish as someone like a Salah? You know, does that does that affect what your decision? Or if you're looking at someone like a Kane or like a Salah or you know, like a Hazard and going. Oh, you know they're going to finish that. Yeah. Does does that affect your decision? Not really. I mean, we talked about it with De Gea the other week uh, against Sevilla, where he uh, as soon as the ball is crossed in the box, he takes his eye off the ball and yeah. looks at the guy who's finishing it. Now, if he scanned first and seen that he's going to be by himself, he's got to have a clear finish. Then you, it's a right decision to, to to put to put his focus on him. Uh, in in this instance. There's not enough time for you for you to take all that in, to right, digest okay. all that information. So you're just looking at shirts. You turn around, you have a quick scan, see the shirts, see the colour shirts, see who's if any defenders are with him. And like I said, it, it was so close. You just think if he just took that little bit of chance in there and try to get something on it, he could have he could have stopped it. There's just two things with the, uh, with the the Liverpool Watford game. There was one for, I think it was for the uh, the fourth goal for Salah. Doing exactly the same what he did with the first one. He takes the ball in the box and he's weaving his way in and out. Now it's there's that many players around Salah. It's ridiculous. So there's like five or six defenders who are lined up to try and tackle him. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody really gets anywhere near. It looked like a cartoon as well, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It was almost. I mean, if if you stop just before the finish, it would be like that picture of, of Maradona against Belgium. Yeah, where they've got all all the defenders lined up waiting to try and tackle him, ready to take him on. 
it was similar here. But what happens is that uh, Cornetus gets he gets drawn out towards the ball. Now there's at least four players in between him and the ball, uh, and another couple to the side. And he gets drawn towards the ball every time, every twist and every touch of the ball. He takes a little, it just edges out a little bit further. Now yeah. what happens here is that. He Salah almost loses control of the ball. He just stretches, gets a toe on it, and there's no way. It, it looks a little lazy from Conetus because the ball's already past him. He goes with his feet. He can't really react, mm. and um, and he's out of the equation. Now, in these situ- situations, you often get it in small-sided games. Just uh, when you're in training, just sit back a little bit, a bit deeper. Give yourself a chance to see the ball. So when the ball does come through, you can react. We talk about this in different situations and one v ones and and shots from further out. But in this case, like I said, he just gets drawn edges towards the ball, edges towards the ball, and by the time the shot comes in, he's he's taken himself out of the equation. And also, there's another thing here. Not it's not just about Carnetus as well. Carius, another clean sheet, six and twelve now. It was yeah. There was a free kick which could have crept in, and I think had it gone a little bit lower, he wouldn't have been uh, anywhere near it. But yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's a clean sheet. Yeah, he didn't have a great, he didn't have a great deal to do at all. He just had to sit back and just uh, enjoy what was going on in front of him. We swing over to the FA Cup now. Uh, the first game is Swansea nil, Tottenham Hotspur 3. A few things to talk about here. Uh, I mean, Northelt with a fingertip save from Ericsson. Everyone's like, oh, wow, what a game. And then he doesn't move for Lamella's goal. So it goes from like the ridiculous to the sublime. Well, well that's it. I mean, he, he got done by a, a really good finish by Ericsson early on. Left foot. Uh, coming to his left foot, just bent the ball round. Uh, Northelt. And again, the save was from a similar position. Maybe he's coming from wide on the right. Yes, yeah. And um, and this time he's, he's read him. Obviously, he's, he's learned from his. Well, not that it was a mistake, but he's learned from the first shot and getting across. And it is a, is a brilliant save. But with the Lamella goal, I think we touched on last week about using defenders uh, to guard sides of your goal. Yeah. Now, as Kyle Bartley goes out to close down uh, Lamella, um, Norfell's still in the centre of his goal. And. Uh, and because he's in the centre of the goal, he thinks that he's got a. He, he feels he's got to try and guard both sides. Now here, when Carl Bartley goes out to close him down, if you look from behind the goal, you can see that he's guarding the, that right side. Yeah. So sometimes you've just got to use him and just say, look, if it goes through his legs or if Lamella uh, tries a reverse finish and goes across to my right, I'll just take that. Right. And like I said, it's about. It's about uh, working the percentages, put you, put, trying to put things in your favour. So use Bartley to uh, to guard that right side of your goal, and then that means you can take a, a step to your left to guard the... the Which p- is what he did. Yeah, it, well, he took a step to his right, back across, because he's expecting... I think he thought Lamella's going to take that one back across to his right. So he goes back across to his right, and, and it opens up that left side even more. Yeah. But if you look from behind Lamella, you see that as he's going across the goal on his right, that's, the, that's really all he can do. Yeah. Is, is is put it where he put it to, to Norfield's left, and because he takes a little step to his right, he just opens up even more. I just think he's got to make that goal between the, his left hand post and Barkley. That's his goal there. Yeah. You know, if Barkley's not there, you wouldn't take up that position. It's unnatural, but you have to sometimes in them uh, positions and situations, you've got to use your defender to guard that side of the goal. So it was a, uh, you know, it took a chance and it, it didn't pay off. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, if he just uses defender and and just hope if he, like I said, if it goes through Bartley's legs or he, he does hit that side of the goal past Bartley, just hold your hands up. Uh, he made a very good save uh, later on from Eric Dyer. Um, and Vaughan made a double save. A lot of people saying, should it have been a double save or should he have uh, should he have taken that first one? But I mean, either way, you know, as you say, things don't always go right. 
but he did recover and made that made that decent second save. The first save is one you'd expect them to save, and because of the pace on the ball, you'd probably expect them to get it out of danger and yeah. get it wider away from goal. But he doesn't do that. He gets probably too good of a hand on it if you can if I can say that. And then it goes back into the danger area, and the fact that he's, he gets up and reacts, it, it just makes it a brilliant save. A few people question whether Fabianski should have started for Swansea. We looked at the stats now. Of the two, four, six, eight teams that played in the FA Cup this weekend, uh, five used second choice goalkeepers and two used, uh, sorry, three used their uh, normal first choice goalkeepers. Um, where, where do you stand on this? You know, I know we've talked about it before with people like Caballero coming in and uh, Costa Brava. Um, do you think if you're a Costa Brava? I, I thought we had a little joke about that. So <laughs> you're doing me there. I thought on. we had a little joke about that. Um, if, um, if you know, if you want to get to Wembley, which ultimately these games are, you know, they're, they're Wembley winners. Do you play your first team goalkeeper? Should Fabianski have started in that game? Yeah, looking at it, probably you probably see he should. But when it comes to the second choice goalkeepers playing in the in the FA Cup, the teams have got to do that to guarantee that guarantee games from the best quality second choice keeper. So it's uh, it's becoming more pre- prevalent than it used to be. Yeah. You'd always get to the you get to the sort of semi finals, then they probably bring the first choice back. But there's no need to because the the, the second choice keepers at most clubs now are such high quality. And if you look at like the the, the, the other games that played, Man United, uh, Brighton, Hove, Albion, Man United had Romero in there. Um, I mean, he's an insane second choice goalkeeper to have at your club. Yeah, and it's he would he probably get near most Premier League sides. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's uh, and and that's what you're guaranteeing really when when you get keepers of this quality. You're guaranteeing that it's not a you know. With, if there's injuries or you're bringing somebody in for for cup games, you, you, it's not it's no gamble at all. No, and especially like you look at Brighton Hove Albion, they rested uh, Matty Ryan and they brought in Tim Krull. Now we're not going to look at that game, but again, it's someone that has got an absolute pedigree. Yeah. You, you know, you, you you're going to trust him. Obviously, the result didn't go their way, but it's not like you're bringing in an under nineteen keeper. Let's go on to Wigan Athletic uh, Southampton. Southampton won 2-0. Uh, a name that might, a few people might not have known, including me, before this game, uh, the goalkeeper for Wigan Athletic, Christian Walton. Now, he made a name for himself. few great saves. Uh, a fantastic penalty save. He was let down by some bad defending, I think. But in the league, obviously, they've, he's not been let down because they're doing very, very well in the league. Uh, there's a few decent keepers uh, in first, second and third spot in League One. Um, did, you, did you know of Christian Walton before uh, before this weekend? Yeah, he's he's highly rated by uh, by everyone at Brighton. Yeah, um, so he's on loan at the moment from from Brighton. Yeah, and they've uh, they've got high hopes for him. And it's been a case sort of uh, last couple of seasons, just trying to get him out, just get him experience. Uh, he's getting that. I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed. You know, Wigan go up, and then they they. they they maybe have him back next next season yeah. and get him championship, so it makes the it makes the the next uh, step up to the next level. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a twenty two year old goalkeeper. He's six foot five. He's been at Brighton Hove Albion since two thousand thirteen. He's had loan spells at Bury, Plymouth, where he's kind of like from that area, uh, Luton, Southend United, and uh, Wigan. And again, we I did a little tweet in the in the week. The four goalkeepers that have been selected for England this week. Uh, They've got thirty 
They've played at 30 different clubs. So a lot of these, you know, it's not about just having like an amazing goalkeeper who just then just plays for Man United or Arsenal or Chelsea. You know, these these goalkeepers applying their trade are going down the leagues and kind of like learning what it's all about. And they've all done this. We did it on Soccer Round this weekend. Jack Butland played for Cheltenham. Do you know what I mean? Like it's they've they've been around, do you know what I mean? Mm. They've uh, they've cleaned their own boots. Yeah. Um, so it'd be good to see uh, a, a bit more of him and I mean what a game for him to make his name in really yeah a uh, couple of great saves as well I mean you had the um, Nathan Byrne didn't do many favours with, no, with a back pass back early pass, on yeah. yeah but he great reaction save with his, with his left foot <laughs> he was happy as well wasn't he yeah he was, he was angry and he was happy but the, the, the penalty save the power in that wrist on the left hand side I mean there was some venom in that shot wasn't there yeah it's an excellent save especially because it was one handed like you know it's just as I tweeted out, it was the strong arm of the wall. Oh, yeah. good pun, that. Yeah, it is a good pun. And, um, it, it, I mean, obviously it looks brilliant and they've, they've done the homework and uh, Gabby Dini's, he missed a couple of penalties to that side. He, he's not he? Been, yeah, I think he's uh, he's took three penalties so far for Southampton, missed two of them. I think he missed one against um, Man United. So he had done his homework then? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it, it, it looked that way. It looked as if, he, you know, he, that was the way he was always going to go and Brilliant, brilliant save. Uh, let's look to Leicester, Chelsea. Leicester one, Chelsea two. We've we've covered it a little bit. Um, Schmeichel, he makes two amazing saves. Is he at fault for the second? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a bad decision to come, but you can see exactly why he has. Um, it's not from a long way out when Cantier comes onto his right foot and, and sort of uh, and crosses the ball in the box. But there's a lot of height on it initially, and so when you when you're assessing the situation, you're assessing the flight, you're making the decision as early as you can. Um, there's, like I said, there's a lot of air in the ball. That's when he makes his decision to come. Now, there's not a great deal of pace in the ball, and as it comes into the box, it, the ball dies. And once you, you're in the middle of that decision, it's so hard to put the brakes on and, and drop back again. And I don't blame him for uh, continuing with his, his decision. Because like I said, you know, if he stop, puts the brakes on there, he's just going to be in no man's land. Yeah. So he's got to go through with the decision. But as, you, as we saw, Pedro, it, 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 does, it doesn't make any difference to me that the people are saying that uh, the smallest man on the pitch or the second smallest man on the pitch gets above Schmeichel. How does he do that? Well, it's because the ball dropped <laughs> dropped so low that he was able to get so there the, in front. The ball dying essentially killed him. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, <laughs> no, no, not in a, not in a, in a pun way, but also at the same time, I'll I'll, I'll take it. Um, but is is it a case of a, is it is it a is it a Taylor Monk moment? Do you know what I mean he shouldn't have come there? That that will probably get our Taylor uh, Taylor Monk award this week. Well, that's absolutely. I'm glad that there's a. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it's uh, it's taking shape. Um, Caballero, he made a few decent uh, decent saves. Um, I'm mentioning him because Caballero is the third oldest goalkeeper in the Premier League at the moment behind Spironi and Gomez, which then brings us on to the question that we asked at the very beginning of the podcast. Who is the oldest ever goalkeeper to play in the Premier League? David Priest, please can reveal the answer. It is John Burridge. John Burridge. He played at Manchester City at the grand old age of 43 years and 163 days. It was in May 1995. He had 34 stints at different clubs, including Lincoln and Grimsby. Yeah. Uh, and we won't mention the result from the weekend. Thank you. The orange catcher, John Burridge. The orange catcher, John Burridge. You've got a story, haven't you, about John Burridge? And I'd like you to tell that story. Is that OK? Yeah, of course it is. I mean... 
Yeah, war adults here anyway. <laughs> but it's uh, I, I was I was thirteen years old. I was playing for Middlesbrough at the time, and uh, we were playing at Benwell, which is Newcastle's training ground at the time. And um, I arrived early. I got there before the rest of my teammates had arrived. So I'm sat in sat in the dressing room by myself, and I could hear there was somebody in the shower. So I just sat there waiting, whistling along to myself. And then uh, out comes John Burridge, stark naked, not stark naked, not a stitch on him, water dripping off him. He's not got a towel in it. I'm looking around, there's not even a towel around. He, he knows, I'm, he quite clearly knows I'm there. <laughs> so he just walks across in front of me, in the, looks in the mirror, there's a big full-length mirror there. Like I said, naked, not a stitch on him, and just starts doing all these bodybuilding poses. Right. Now, not just one or two. I mean, it felt like hours he was stood there for. <laughs> Why was he doing it? Well, he was just, he was just looking at himself in the mirror, and... It become really uncomfortable. I mean, I'm a 13 year old kid. I mean, he's probably been late 30s at the time. Yeah, he must, he, he must have been pushing 40 at the time. And he's just pulling on his poses, like you know, and he's tanned as well. You can see that he's uh, he's 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 been on. He's he's no stranger to sunbed. Exactly. So he's uh, and he just turns around and looks me square in the eyes. and went, "If you work hard for another 25 years, son, you'll have a body like this." <laughs> and then just walked off. Have you seen him since? No, no, I've not oh, seen him since. Oh, well, John, I hope you're listening. Um, we'd love to get you on the podcast. Um, performance of the week, I think we both agreed, but it's your decision ultimately uh, that that is going to... Christian Walton. Christian Walton. Um, save of the week, we put a little poll out there um, between uh, Lursel, uh, Canesis... Am I saying that right? Can- well, I went for Carnetsis. Carnetsis. See... You've you've I mean, gone I'm not Greek on it. No, you're not, but you've gone you've gone very European but with like a northeast accent. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's nice. Uh, Vaughn, the double save, and also Walton from the Gabbiadini penalty, and uh with forty percent of the votes is Walton. So not only are you the performer of the week, you are the saver of the week. That is English. Should have done better of the week. That has to go to Zhao Gabriel. This is a clip that you showed me before the podcast. He plays for uh I mean you're probably better at saying this than I am, uh Cienote uh, in Brazil. Uh, they played against Coritiba. Uh, um, it ended 1-0. He had an absolute howler. Absolute howler of a, a, a game. The ball came in. He just threw it into his own net, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, t- he's actually teed himself up. So he's come to the near post, tried to punch it away, and he sort of just got a glancing punch up in the air. At the, and it went to the back post, and he's sort of scrambling back for it. And he does actually get there. And you think, oh, well, he's, he's going to push it wide. And he just flaps it. He just flaps net. it. Yeah. Delivers it. Panic stations, yeah. Um, bless him. Uh, we have got a winner of the Glove Story book, which we're going to read out now. Thank, again, like a lot of reviews. Thank you very much. The person we gave out last week, Russ from England, um, we said you've won it, but we had absolutely no way of getting in, in, in touch with you. So if you are Russ from England, um, and, and don't take the piss and everyone say, oh, I'm Russ from England, uh, please do uh, get in touch. We'll give you your book. Now, there is a review that has won. I know we're going to do it... We're going to do it like anonymously and just do a little bit. But this one, um, I'm going to read this review out. And not in a narcissist, narcissist, not in a. Um, he's narcissistic, isn't it? Yeah. If you read out, 
not in an ego way, but this was the best review uh, I've read. It says, bravo to the lads. It is from Methley21. For creating this brilliant podcast, I take my heart off for you. If you were to ask me whether I like this show, I'd say, well, is the Pope Catholic? In fact, I'd go so far as to say, as anybody who hasn't heard the show yet would be sat down and forced to listen to it. I love it so much that I check my podcast app every morning to see a new episode. It can often be hard for new shows to find their groove, and I was worried about this show for that very reason. But land on your feet, you did, lads. Kudos. But land on your feet, you did. Oh, so these yeah. are basically goalkeeping puns the whole way through. Precy, I know you must get a lot of heat on Twitter, heat on Twitter, when you analyse the goals, but just try ignore De Gea. Tis, mate. <laughs> I've lost all time of time. I've lost all, as in lost a lot of time writing this review, but it's totally worth it. All the best from Barnsley. So there's a lot of... Uh, Who was that? A, a lad called Methley. M-E-T-H-L-E-Y-2-1. Oh, um, yeah, so the, the standard has been set, hasn't it? I, mean, it's, I think he got in seven or eight um, goalkeepers in there. So you have won a copy of uh, Glove Story. We'll send that over to you. Uh, DM us your address and we'll get it out there. Uh, send us in more uh, Send us in more tweets. We'll try and answer them. Any, anything to add to the end of the podcast, David Priest? Not really. Just looking forward to uh, to see what Gareth Southgate does with these uh, these two internationals with Holland and Italy. Yes, we've got uh, internationals this weekend, so we'll think about what we're going to do for the podcast next week. Hopefully, we'll have a guest in. Um, but yeah, send in your tweets, any questions you've got, anything you spot that we can uh, pick up. Uh, th- again, thank you so much for all the nice reviews. If you want to win a copy of Glove Story, all you have to do is leave us a nice review on iTunes, uh, and then we'll pick out a winner at random. But if you're going to spend hours doing pros with uh, goalkeeper puns, then I mean, stand up much better chance. Much better chance. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You're all absolute gems. Uh, goodbye from me, and goodbye from me. Ta-ta. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.